Hello, friends. We welcome you here to worship. This is indeed the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. We are rejoicing in the goodness of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who we worship today. And we are rejoicing that you have chosen to worship with us today. Today in the life of the Protestant Church is a special day as it's a day that we call Reformation Sunday. We're back in 1517. Martin Luther just wasn't real happy with the state of the church and the way things were going. So he made Christianity more for the people. And it was wonderful. And for that, we celebrate it. As our motto is in the Presbyterian Church, we are reformed and always reforming, meaning that we are not willing to just stick in the past, but we are always going to be looking to the future, but of course, looking at Jesus Christ as the one who will guide us there. So we are so grateful that you have decided to worship with us today. I also have a special announcement, uh, especially for our Rosedale family. We are in need of canned goods for our Deacon's Food Delivery, which is coming up here in the month of November, and hopefully we'll be able to do it again in December, but we are not going to be able to do it without your help. So there is a bin that has been conveniently placed outside of door six, which is one of our main entrances off of our large parking lot in the back of the church. Please stop by any time during office hours to drop food off. I believe the bin is out there at all times. So you can come by 24-7 and bring food. There is a list of items that are needed that you should have received in your newsletter recently, or you can also find the information on our website at rosedalegardens.org. So now I have Mark here to help me with the call to worship this morning, and he is our liturgist today. So he is going to lead you, and then you all will follow along with me in our call to worship, and you will see the words printed on your screen. As dawn breaks, the rooster cries to all who slumber, awake and sing. The night with its shadows and fears is over. For God is light, and in God there is no darkness at all. Awake and sing, for each day our Savior gives us a new day with the hope of wholeness, activity, and joy. Let us combine memory and vision, but most of all love, to be God's people. Hear the song, awake and sing. Let our new day of faith begin. Let us worship God. God, there are days. Days when all that keeps me praying is my decision to trust you. To trust that you are still in charge, that you are watching over my way. To trust that you care about the truth, even when liars seem so strong and I can't always distinguish truth from lie. So for today, I choose to trust. I choose to trust in your faithfulness. I choose to trust in your power to create new beginning where none seem possible. I choose to trust in your watchful care over the oppressed, the stranger, the orphan, Unblind me, open my eyes to see you, to see you lifting up those who are bowed down, to see you upholding orphans and widows, to see you bringing the way of the wicked to ruin, and let me see, let me see your reign then summon me to join the song of your people echoing through the generations. Praise the Lord. Let's sing hymn 309, Come, Great God of All the Ages.
God hears us in all times and in all places, if only we humble ourselves and come before his throne. As a community of faith, let us pray the prayer of confession together in our hearts. Let us pray. God, just as you called King David so long ago, so you call each one of us to speak and act on your behalf in our world today. Forgive us when we are hesitant to follow, when we question your call or make excuses for our abilities, when, you, when we complain about our lack of time or hoard our resources. Give us courage to step out in faith, to go where you send us without hesitation or fear, trusting that your presence goes with us and that you will provide all that we need. Amen. As we believe in one God, so do we believe that from the beginning there has been and now is and to the end of the world shall be one church by faith in Jesus Christ. This church is universal, but it contains the elect of all ages, of all realms, of all tongues, invisible known only to God. The message of this church is that we are called, saved, and forgiven. In Jesus Christ our Lord, thanks be to God. Amen.
This scripture reading comes from the New Testament, from the book of Hebrews. In this passage, the author is reminding his readers of the certain of God's promise. As you listen to these words, may you be reminded that God's promises still hold true today. Hear now God's word for you. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in this space in the presence of God to bear witness to the death of an old acquaintance. I am saddened to say that this acquaintance of ours has outlived its welcome and has clung to life longer than it should have. Yet, here we are today, finally burying and laying to rest our old acquaintance, the phrase, because we've always done it that way. This phrase began its final journey into death as it was placed on life support on Friday, March 13th, 2020. And on behalf of the body of Christ, God finally made the decision to pull the plug. And now it's our job as a community of faith to come together for this funeral today to bid this phrase a fond farewell. The obituary of this phrase is as follows. No official record has been located as to when, because we've always done it that way, was born. But it is widely known that it had lived a long, full life, spanning many centuries and ages. It spent its lifetime haunting the halls of churches worldwide, wreaking havoc at board meetings, session meetings, vision planning sessions, meetings of hiring committees, deacons meetings, trustee meetings, and denominational committee meetings, among others. Because we've always done it that way, has even made its presence known in our hearts and minds and has made its way into our own speech with fellow church members. For century, church leaders the world over have made good use of, because we've always done it that way's power, and many have yet to come to terms with its passing. There have even been rumors of sightings of because we've always done it that way's ghosts in recent weeks as its memory continues to rear its ugly head and blind church leaders to the fact of the matter. Family members of the deceased include, I don't like change. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. This will blow over. The internet is just a fad. That's how it's always been and that will never work. In honor of because we've always done it that way's passing, churches worldwide are being asked to hold memorial services so that its members can find closure and move forward. In lieu of flowers, it has been requested that monetary donations be made to your local congregation to support whatever ministry will be most vital to discipleship making, faith formation, and mission on behalf of the body of Christ. So my friends, in all seriousness, the time has indeed come for us all, pastors, church leaders, staff, congregation members, to acknowledge this unprecedented time we live in and to fully embrace the inevitability of this rapidly changing landscape and to respond in faith and trust 
and to understand that the phrase, because we've always done it that way, is finally null and void and cannot hold sway and power over our lives and the ways in which we understand what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And what better day than this, Reformation Sunday, to take some time to give God praise and thanks for his goodness and sovereignty in an era where nothing, nothing is as it once was. Nothing other than him. Phyllis Tickle was a modern-day theologian who recently passed in 2015, and she had a theory which she called the emerging church. And her theory's hypothesis states that approximately every 500 years, the church, or more accurately, the Judeo-Christian body, resets itself due to some major culture shift or event, beginning all the way back with the Davidic dynasty in 1000 BC. 500 years later, in 500 BC, the Israelites are taken into captivity in Babylon, and the second temple period begins. Next is the birth of Christ, ushering in the new millennia and the great transformation, moving from one era to the next. Approximately 500 years later, you have the Council of Chalcedon, where the church officially recognized Jesus Christ to be fully human and fully divine, causing an incredible shift in our theological understanding as to the nature of God. Additionally, this time also witnessed the fall of Rome and its implications the known world over. In the year 1051, we witness what church historians call the Great Schism, and this is where you see an east and west split in the church, thus creating the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox. Then, in 1517, the Reformation came to bear as individuals like Martin Luther, John Knox, and John Calvin had deep concerns over the state of the church, thus ushering in a new branch of Christianity called Protestantism. And the beginning of Pro Protestantism is what we celebrate today on this Reformation Sunday. And now, here we are, a little more than 500 years past the Reformation, and it cannot be denied that the church is indeed in the process of resetting itself once again due to a major event in our culture, this time due to a worldwide pandemic. The church, as we know it, even at the conclusion of this godforsaken pandemic, will never be the same. And there is no way that we, the members of the body of Christ, can afford to use the phrase because we've always done it that way any longer. Because there are churches who insisted on using that as their mantra back in March of this year, and Christ's kingdom is now the lesser for it because many of those churches no longer exist. We are very fortunate in this small corner of God's kingdom known as Rosedale Gardens because in some measures we dared to make changes over the years changes in the way we view and use technology, changes in our staffing models, changes in our willingness to explore different avenues of worship, changes in how we understand mission and outreach. So when March 13th hit, we made the painful yet proper decision to close our doors. We were well positioned to not lose our identity as a worshiping, community-serving congregation. We had the technology we needed. We had the staff we needed. And quite frankly, we had the attitude we needed to face the requirement of change in a moment's notice. Pastor Andy Stanley has said that environments void of change are eventually void of life. And I hope you have all sensed the vibrancy of life that has been pouring out of this community the past seven months as we have remained faithful to Jesus and have celebrated his faithfulness to us and all because we were able and more importantly, willing to change. I'd like to take a quick moment to head into scripture and to take a look at a story of one of the first times where the church had to make a major shift in its thinking and understanding 
and the implications of those changes. In the very beginning of the early church, we're talking a mere months after Jesus' resurrection, Peter, one of Jesus' original disciples and best friends, was leading the Jewish people in their worship of Christ. Now, Peter was a devout Jew, so he took all of the laws and commandments very seriously. One day, he was praying on the roof of his home and became very hungry. While praying, he had a vision of a, a large sheet coming down from heaven filled with all sorts of animals, but animals that were considered by Jewish custom to be unclean. So they were animals that Jews would not eat. And as this sheet full of unclean animals was before him, Peter heard the voice of God say, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. To which Peter argued, saying, Never, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unclean. To which the Lord replied, Do not call anything I have created unclean. As the sheet is being pulled back up into heaven, God tells Peter that men are downstairs and have been sent to take him to Joppa, where he is to meet with another man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion who worked for the Roman army, yet he loved and served God and gave generously. And Cornelius was a Gentile, in other words, a non-Jew. And God was sending Peter to Cornelius' house so that he might teach him the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Yet, again, if a Jew enters the house of a Gentile, they would be deemed unclean and thus unable to worship in the temple. And that was something Peter did not want. Yet God's instructions were very clear. So he went to the home of Cornelius and learned quite a lesson in the process. Peter had to change his understanding of who God was and how to properly serve him and to realize that the old ways of doing things were no longer valid. And in so doing, Peter changed the lives of a whole new group, group of people as those who were in Cornelius' house who heard his words received the Holy Spirit and began to be evangelists themselves. But Peter wasn't quite out of the woods yet, because the church back in Jerusalem, the church made up of Jewish believers, got mad at Peter for doing what he did. And here is what the scripture says about this. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him and said, You went to the house of Gentiles and ate with them? So Peter had to explain everything, from his vision to his time spent sharing the good news with Cornelius and his household. After his explanation, Peter says, So if God gave the Gentiles the gifts of the Holy Spirit like he gave us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Peter, who was staunch in his beliefs and unwilling to make a change, finally did so. Could you imagine if Peter had said to God, I don't want to share the message of your son with Gentiles because we've always done it that way. After Peter and the rest of the church of Jerusalem changed their ways and made this shift in their thinking, the body of Christ grew even larger as the first church outside of Judea was planted in Antioch, thus expanding the reach of God's kingdom. Always God's plans for change are greater than we could ever fathom. Peter balked and scoffed at God, but then acquiesced. The people balked and scoffed at Peter and then acquiesced. And once again, the world has never been the same. So my friends, we all find ourselves in this era of unprecedented change where all of life has been affected, including and especially our church, but for good reason. And if Phyllis Tickle was right, and I truly believe she was, the church is in its next emergent cycle and is in the process of resetting itself 
in order that it may continue to be a vital, thriving entity. As you can see, this place will not look the same upon your return. It won't feel the same upon your return because we can't worship like we used to. We can't hug and touch like we used to. We can't fellowship like we used to. But we can continue to worship. And we can continue to touch one another's hearts and minds with our love through our words and our actions. We can continue to be present and engaged in each other's lives because God has given us the gift of technology. There was a time when technology seemed to be the enemy of the church. Now in so many ways it has become its ally and has been a major player in why so many churches, including this one, have remained vital and active. Now we have technology that will enable us to worship in four different places in this building at the same time, all while being safe with maintaining our physical distance. We now have the technology in place to allow members living outside of the area, from Muskegon to North Carolina to Florida, the homebound, and quite frankly, the whole world to worship with us. We can't even begin to imagine the reaches of God's kingdom and what a gift that is. And why can we do all this? Because God is still God. This era that we find ourselves isn't a surprise to him. He is in the business of restoration and he is in the business of resetting and reforming his church. But at the heart of it all, no pandemic has changed him. Nothing has stopped Christ from being able to heal and comfort. The Holy Spirit continues to inspire. And right now, as a body, God needs us more than ever to be focused on the needs surrounding us. He needs us to be his hands and feet to those in our midst who are hungry, those who are lonely, hurting, and grieving. He needs us to combat injustice in any form. He needs us to be peacemakers. He needs us to be his church. Reformed and always reforming, the motto of the Presbyterian Church USA is a lens through which we can examine our faith. It's a way for us to acknowledge that we were once a people who saw the need for change, and now we are a people who see the need for continual change, yet keeping laser focused on our purpose as a church. Like it says in the book of Hebrews that Mark read for us earlier, God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to us of what was promised. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, this hope which lies in the God who does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he does not change like shifting shadows. He is indeed the anchor of our hope. So on this Reformation Sunday, when we celebrate those people who are bold enough to step out in faith and question the mantra of, because we've always done it that way, let us celebrate the amazing, steadfast, sovereign God who continues to orchestrate the ways of the world for good. Amen. Sometimes it's moments of brokenness which create the greatest transformations. Times where fear gives birth to faith, pain leads to healing, and chaos dissolves into peace. It's in these times we often see God more clearly. 
for in our deepest turmoil, He remains faithful. When our spirit is crushed, He remains strong. When our moment is too heavy, He carries the burden. As gold is refined by fire, we too are often refined by struggle. It's part of growing, changing, becoming. Lately, the journey has been difficult. Our breath has been labored. Our steps uneasy. But we stand in faith, knowing who is leading us through this desert. The God of peace, the God of hope, the God of restoration. As we have been reminded over these past few weeks of our stewardship season, it is indeed an act of worship when we give back to God a portion of our lives and labors. It is an act of giving thanks to him for all that he has blessed us with. So now, let us receive today's offering.
us come together and pray. Loving God, we come to you in thanksgiving, knowing that all we are and all we have is a gift from you. In faith and love, help us to do your will. We are listening, Lord God. Speak your words into the depths of our souls that we may hear you clearly. We offer to you this day all the facets of our lives, whether it be at home, at work, or at school, to be patient, to be merciful, to be generous, to be holy. Give us the wisdom and insight to understand your will for us and the fervor to carry out our good intentions. We offer our gifts of time, talent, and possessions to you as a true act of faith to reflect our love for you and our neighbor. God, our anchor, as the days pass and seasons change, we give thanks that we can hold on firmly to you, that there is nothing in this world that comes as a surprise to you, for you are sovereign and all-knowing. Help us to hold on to the hope we have in you when our lives are shaken, when our hearts and minds grow weary, when fear replaces faith. Like the reformers of ages past, help us to boldly follow you and to make the changes necessary within your church so that we too may live the story of Jesus, so that we too may serve with humility, so that we too may be difference makers in our homes, families, and communities. God of Rosedale, we ask for your continued blessing upon this community as we continue to navigate the waters of a global pandemic. We ask that you help us to continue to bear one another's burdens as these days of separation continue to draw out. We pray for your healing touch to be upon Megan Barker, Abby Bennett, Kim Burkett, the Dunphys, Diane Fry, Joyce Jewell, Sherry Lessig, and Tom Peterson. We give you thanks for the beautiful life of Marie Pluster and ask your comfort upon all those who grieve her loss. God of the ages, may our worship of you this day and all the days of our lives bring you joy. We thank you for being the anchor of our souls and for being the Lord of our lives. All of this we pray in the name of your son Jesus, who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please join us in singing hymn 331, God of the Ages, whose almighty hand.
my friends, as you leave this worship service today, may you go being reminded that Jesus Christ is indeed the anchor to our souls. And regardless of all the changes going around even in your own life, in the body of the church, in the way we do worship, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And may you go into tomorrow with that sure confidence and that sure hope. So now, my friends, may the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and all days. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen.